Can with Goat Time here on The Breakfast Show. As we get into the second half of the show, we are going to begin by, with another clue for the quiz, followed by hearing what you had to say about the first half of the show. We're going to read our text messages and we're going to encourage you all to continue participating in the Bible study. Before we do that, Lawson's going to give you, as always, the next clue for the quiz with the most epic prize we have ever had. (laughs) Epic as in expensive. Uh, But right now, I was hired to curse the children of Israel but failed. Who am I? If you know who this is, 0491-064-669. Make sure you get those answers in. The more answers that you get in, the more chance you have to win our prize, which is the Andrew Study Bible, the bonded leather version, which is worth $100. That'll be drawn at the end of the week. Uh, But make sure you give us a call or text to get your answers in. 0491-064-669. Nine. Okay, so you got in a bit of trouble in the last section for that one being a leather Bible vegan, Lawson. Um, but Raphael's text is through to say the leather, bi- leather Bible gift. Eight million cows are killed in Australia alone. There's plenty of leather to go around in the world. 302 million are killed all in meat production. Mm. Actually, I covered my Bible with leather 25 years ago. looks great. Just go to your local leather store, buy a piece of remnant, very cheap, just cut it to size. And glue it on. Uh, my, my, that's, that's, I'm just super impressed with my that. My preaching Bible is falling apart, and I love it because it's like I think it's out of print, like that yes. style. And I'm that's really why I have a fallen apart Bible too. It's really upsetting because it's like basically all the verses start on the outside, and that's what's so great about it. Like as yes. in you, you don't it's have easy to, to find stuff. Read through the middle of lines to find uh-huh. verses, and so I'm like, oh. What am I going to do when it falls apart eventually? I've had it for like six years. I'm yes. like, what am I going to do? So there maybe that's the solution. Raph has got the some, idea right some here. Leather on some it. leather on the outside. Okay, I got a few other text messages here. Uh, CO2 reduction, one, it makes you wonder at what cost, and that's a very valid thought as well. Uh, Jetpack for the Ambos. Now we're talking. The Jetsons are here at last. See, these are some <laughs> of the earlier stories we had in the show. We talked about uh, religious persecutions in India, China, Hong Kong. There are actually over 50 nations that persecute specifically Christians. Mm-hmm. 330 million are under persecution, let alone other religions. Yeah, I mean, you've got, uh, what, two to three million Uyghurs that are imprisoned in China, uh, just as one example. Uh, all in the name of their gods makes you wonder what God would require this of his people. I challenge you to read the teachings of Jesus Christ, he who died for the whole world. There is also a big difference between being called a Christian and actually being one, Mm. which is so incredibly relevant because when you read the teachings of Jesus and you follow the teachings of Jesus, you are never going to persecute anyone. Mm. And yet so many Christians have persecuted other Christians and people of other faiths. Mm. We know that from history. So let's go back to the Bible. Let's read the teachings of Jesus and become a follower of Jesus. Mm. Uh, The Mongolian ministry, wow, another great ministry. Bolomar really used the gift that God gave her for his glory. I wonder how many other gifted people could do the same in their country. Mm. Yeah, Praise God, that was a fantastic story. And then we have more bad weather on the way. Always makes me think of the homeless during these times. Consider your blessings. So, yes, the weather has been just ice cold and that wind is a very lazy wind because it doesn't bother blowing around you. It blows straight Mm. through you. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
that's that's what you had to say. I think that was uh, all the text messages. I think we're up to date on text messages. Oh, no, this one was really cool. This one came through from Freco. He says, sometimes the world can be cruel and get us down. I was in a dark place the last few days. I went to the Bible for help, remembering what Jesus said on the cross. My, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I found Psalms 22. Mm. Wow. That awesome. What power. I was crying by the time I got to verse 6, thinking it was all about me. You know, if we go to Psalms 22, let me just go over there, Psalms 22, verse quick, 6, uh, verse real quick, uh, and read to you from Psalms 22, because this is powerful. Psalms 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken what me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. Oh, my God, I cry in bed. I cry in the, sorry, daytime, but you hear not. And in the night, night season, and I am not silent. But you are holy, O you that inhabit the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried unto you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not confounded. But I'm a worm. This is verse 6. And no man. A reproach of men and despised of all people. Mm. And I can see somebody reading this through and thinking, yeah, that's me. Mm. And then you suddenly realize, wait a minute, that's not me. You keep reading and it's like, this is Jesus Christ. Mm. And I'm going through some terrible stuff right now. But Jesus went through truly awesome stuff so that he could go through this with me and he knows what I'm going through right now. Mm. All, they, all those that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted him. But you are he that took me out of the womb. You made me. You, you make me hope when I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from the womb. You are my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. It's a great psalm. It's a really fantastic psalm. And if you want to be encouraged and if you want to feel like your troubles are small uh, compared to what Jesus went through, then this is a psalm that, you know, once again helps us to put some things into, I guess, a certain perspective that helps us to understand that Jesus suffered all of this, not because he had to to redeem us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Mm. Jesus suffered all of this so that when we went through suffering, he could stand there right beside us and he could say, I know what you're going through. Yeah, I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced it myself. And I can get you through this. Mm. That's why Jesus suffered. All he had to do was die. And there are lots of easy ways to die. Jesus did not choose an easy way to die. All he had to do was to die to secure our salvation. But instead he suffered mm. tremendously along with dying for us. All right, where are we up to? We are in Genesis chapter 10. So let's head over to Genesis chapter 10 and see what it's got to say. Chapter 10? Chapter 37. Oh, chapter 37, okay. I had verse 10 in front of my face and somewhere along the line I was just reading verse 10. I'm like, yeah, we're taking a a bit of a step back here. Okay, Genesis chapter 37 and, yeah, where are we going to begin to read, Lyle? Uh, from verse 1. Verse 1, the Bible says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers and the sons of his father's wife, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father <coughs> some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Yep, 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 yep. So there's a couple of things that we can look at right here. 
First of all, the Bible talks about how Abraham was a stranger in the land. Yes. And the Bible talks about how Isaac was a stranger in the land. Yes. And then the Bible talks about how Jacob built a house and lived, Mm. dwelt in the land. Mm. So Jacob is settling down and he wants peace. Mm. And he's an older man at this particular point. He just wants to relax. Mm. And it just never happens. <laughs> it just never, just when you thought you were going to get peace, the Shechemite thing is behind you. And now what happens? Uh, well, you have a son. Yes. And, you know, he, you love him more than all the other sons. Now, Jacob should have known how badly this would go, right? Yeah. Because he was his mother's favorite. Esau was his father's he favorite. He already experienced this. He knows what it's like when parents play favorites and how incredibly dysfunctional the family becomes when the parents play favourites. And this family is incredibly dysfunctional. You can sort of see him looking at some of his sons as being lesser sons. Mm. You know, some of the ones that were born to his his wife's servant girls. Yeah. They're kind of like second-class citizens. Yeah, that's right. They're like third-string kids. Well, yeah, they're third-class. So so you got the first string, which is Joseph and Benjamin. Benjamin... Uh, and ben, 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 yeah, Joseph and Benjamin. And then you got the second string, which is like Reuben and Simeon and yeah, Zebulun, the Lee, Lee's children. And then you got third string, which is like the, the children of the maids. Yes. And that's who Joseph's spending time with at this po- point in time. Um, and that's who Joseph's snitching on. And you can imagine that they feel, you know, fairly disenfranchised to begin with because they're just, you know, within the culture of that time, mm. if you slept with your maid, it wasn't looked down upon that much. And uh, but the children that were produced were not seen to be on the same level as the children that had been produced by the genuine wives. You know, they were called concubines, which was a kind of half-wife. Weird kind of situation we don't have today. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So concubines kind of like somebody you have an affair with but you're faithful to. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah. But, like, they don't have the rights of, like, an actual wife. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of sad, sad place so, to be in. It's a very sad place to mm. be in. But also, like, okay, it says that Joseph is 17 years old here and he's the youngest. So all the other people are, like, adults. Like, all of his brothers are, like, adults at this time. And he's, well, by our standards, almost an adult. Well, Benjamin is younger than him, but that's all. Yeah, but that's it. Yes. But he's not spending time with Benjamin. He's with the Bilhah and Zilpah, the, the is, sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. Okay, so you get a kid and you spoil the kid rotten and you give the kid privileges and you make the kid feel that he is better than everybody else when mm. he is you know, one of the youngest in the entire group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you think that's going to go for you? Yeah. No, no. From a parenting perspective, that's going to be a massive parenting failure right mm-hmm. there that is just simply not going to succeed. Mm. And it doesn't. All right, let's keep reading. Let's see what else happens here. Continues on in verse 3. It says, Jacob loved Joseph more than uh, any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made whoa, whoa, for whoa, Joseph. Whoa, 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 Let's stop there for a moment. This is uh-huh. an interesting observation that we can make right here. The Bible says he loved him because he had been born, but loved him more because he had been born in his old age. Yes. This is one of the things that I have learned. The younger you are, the more energy. To, to discipline children takes energy. Mm. And the younger the you are, the more energy you have to put into that. Mm. The older you are, and I can even see the difference, you know, I only had two children, mm. and the difference between the first and the second. Mm-hmm. 
you're just starting to run out of energy a little bit by the time the second one comes around, particularly if they're fairly close together, and you don't have the same amount of energy to put into discipline and you know, you start to be a little bit less idealistic because, mm. you know, the younger you are, the more idealistic you are and the more you're like, yeah, I'm going to be the greatest parent ever and it's like, now I'm the tiredest parent ever. <laughs> and now you've got Jodis, Joseph who is, sorry, I, uh, Jacob who is, you know, getting up there into his, what, his 80s, his 90s, his 100s, you know, in his old age. How much energy is, is he going to put into disciplining his children? Oh, little. And this is what you find with grandparents. Grandparents are not great disciplinarians. Yeah. They are renowned for spoiling their grandchildren, Mm. which is not a good thing, Mm -hmm. even though I'm probably... Like like you are guilty of this crime of which you are, you know, like you are persecuting people for. (laughs) Okay, but it's not a good thing. Uh Uh-huh. But they do, have do what I say, not what discipline. I do. They have no, no. They grandparents should spoil their grandchildren uh, because you have parents to discipline them. Let let parents be the enemy. Let grandparents be the friends. I say that's what I say, dude. No. If you hate your grandparents, that's just that's really sad. Like, if discipline is done in love, you will love the person who disciplines you. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, Continuing on with, uh, with with this particular thought here, you've got, you know, when the Bible says that he loves him more, in my mind, yes, he's playing favourites, but not just is he playing favourites, but he's probably also spoiling him more. Yes, he definitely okay, is. Okay, so this is now the son of an incredibly wealthy person. Mm-hmm. We've seen the children of celebrities and we've seen how incredibly unstuck they can become. If you want, to, if you want an example of this, uh, read the you know the, read read the story of the richest caveman by Doug Batchelor. Mm. Uh, he came from a father who was like a multi billionaire and a mother who was you know equally wealthy. Wow! And ended up living in a cave, homeless. Wow! One of the most dysfunctional childhoods that you can ever read. And. You know, his, his father owned airlines and he owned businesses and he, you know, just, just like, you know, huge amounts of money and his his mother was like way up high celebrity in Hollywood, all of this kind of stuff. Terribly dysfunctional. And this is not unusual amongst mm. the children of celebrities. And this is kind of the person that, you know, Joseph is growing up to be. Mm. He is spoiled rotten. Mm-hmm. And, and what you're going to find in the story is that you know, his, his brothers are out doing all the work all the time. Mm. He's not out doing any work because he doesn't want to. Mm. And he's probably looking into the future like, yes, I'm going to be a landowner. I'm going to receive the birthright. I'm going to have servants. I'm going to have children. And I'm going to sit here in the house and give orders mm. like my father does. Well, his father worked 20 years for Laban to reach that particular point. Mm. This kid hasn't really learnt the value of labour and work. Mm-hmm. All right, keep going. Well, it continues on in that verse. It says, So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Oh, wow. So he gets a special gift. Uh, then it continues on. It says, But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, They hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field 
tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundles stood up and and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. So he's 17 years old. Yeah. He should know better. Yeah. You know, a kid that was disciplined would know better. <laughs> you know, a kid, a, kid that, a kid that had had a few, you know, hard knocks in life mm. would know better and would know that this is a terrible idea and this is not how you treat other people. And this is not how you go around arrogantly like, yeah, you know what, you all you're my brothers, I know you're older than me. And, of course, in the culture of that time, mm. he's the youngest mm. or the second youngest. He gets nothing. You know, Reuben's out there. Reuben should be getting it all. Mm. You imagine how Reuben feels at this particular point. Yeah. He's like, Reuben would be my age. And this 17-year-old kid's like, yeah, I'm going to rule over you. You're going to bow down to me. You know, you're going to grovel at my feet. This is going to be awesome. 17-year-old kid, I'll be like, no. (laughs) Just no. (laughs) Not going to happen. Because they're all sons of a wealthy guy. Yeah, that's right. Like, they're not in different families. Like, it's not, you know, it's not like they're his servants. Like, no, they're all brothers. Keep reading. Oh, heavy. Um, Continues on. It says... Um, in verse eight, oh, sorry, verse nine. So Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. He said, "The sun, moon, and the eleven stars bowed low before me." This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph. His father wondered what Joseph's dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brother went to his pasture with their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had gone for some time, Joseph, uh, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep in Shechem. Get ready and I'll send you to them. Okay, so interesting story right here because not only does he have a dream that he then tells to his, to, to his brothers, he has a dream that he tells to his parents. Mm. And, of course, you know, his his biological mother has passed away, mm. but he still has three other mothers. Mm. Messed up family, but mm-hmm. that's the reality. And uh, so he tells it to Jacob, like, yeah, you're going to bow down to me as well. Mm. The, you know, if God gives you this kind of dream, this is a lesson from this story. If God gives you this kind of dream, just keep it in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Think of Mary. Mary was told a lot of things about Jesus and she could have gone around proclaiming the fact that her child was the son of God. Mm. Well, my child is a divine being. You can watch him grow up. He's never going to sin. Mm. If you don't believe me, just just take a look. And she was kind of rebuked even for trying to, you know, coax Jesus into into proving it himself. Yes, when, she, when Jesus was 30 years old. Yeah. But the interesting thing was until he was 30 years old, the Bible says she kept all these things in her heart. Mm-hmm. That's a very different policy than Joseph who gets a vision from God and the first thing he does is like, cool. Guys, guys, I'm better than all of you. God, did you know? God, God told me God I'm just better told than... me I'm better than everyone. Yeah, that's, that's his, his experience. It is, it mm. is. And you sort of wonder, you know, why would God be giving a prophecy to somebody like Joseph? Well, the story is going to become one of the greatest stories of the Bible, and we're going to find out the answers as to why God actually does this. But uh, let's just let's just keep this in mind as we 
you know, progress through this story of Joseph. This is probably one of the greatest dramas that you'll find mm. anywhere in Scripture. Probably up there equal with the story of Queen Esther mm. uh, for drama and intrigue and plot themes. It is definitely one of the best by far and one that affected our world quite dramatically. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to continue with our Bible study, but we have another question in our quiz. That's right. And that question is, and get ready to call or text, because every single question in, in this, you know, in this, this month, week. in the month of June, um, every single question has a different answer. So the more answers you get correct, the more entries you get into the quiz. And right now, the question is, Samuel asked me, are these all the sons you have? Who am I? 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win the Andrews Study Bible. This is a $100 bonded leather, amazing Bible. Um, they're incredible. So please, 0491. You can get up to five entries a day. That's right. Everybody should be putting in for this. That's right. Correct. 0491 is the number to call or text. And again, that question was, Samuel asked me, are these all the sons that you have? Who am I? Okay, so uh, Braden's text is through to say that the most expensive pri- prize ever is true. Think of the Dark Ages. Think of the sacrifice of Christ. Definitely the most epic prize anyone could ever win. Most expensive prize ever is truth. Uh, uh, yeah. Came in there twice for some reason. But when you think about, you know, the value of the scriptures and how that people have literally laid down their lives just to get a copy of the Bible. Mm. And in today's world, the single most valuable um, item, which, of course, there's no way of actually calculating its value, is a copy of the Bible called Mm. the Dead Sea Scrolls, the greatest archaeological discovery of all time that has ever been made. And so the Bible has just unbelievable value. It has never been listed uh, in the bestseller list because it is always so far and above every other book that there is no way of comparing with the Bible. Mm. We could not give away anything more valuable than the Bible. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's a, and you know, this one, nice leather and all that kind of stuff. It's a nice one. All right, so we've got another text message coming through here. Uh, what's this one say? Margie's idea of grandparent versus parent. We earned the privilege of spoiling our grandchildren, within reason, while parents have the responsibilities of their kids. Their turn will come one day. We must enjoy the little ones for now. Ah, okay, so this is this is Margie's idea of grandparenting. Yeah, I can I can see a little bit of that. I must say, it. Um, I, I, maybe we should get Darren Pratt on the phone to find out whether we're allowed to spoil our grandchildren or not. Um, <laughs> so, Darren, if you're listening, call or text us through. Are grandparents allowed to do a bit of spoiling or, or is, that just, uh, is that just not allowed? Then uh, we have this one coming through. Ooh, we've got a few here. Uh, the dreams were given to Joseph by God. The problem probably was in the delivery of them was to the family. It was, in fact, a prophecy. Absolutely. These dreams came from God. No question about that. Which is why I raised the, the, the example of Mary. Because in both cases, the information came directly from God. In Mary's case, she had a conversation with Gabriel. In Joseph's case, he had dreams that came from God. Mary kept it in her heart. Mm. 
while Joseph went out and blabbed it all over the place and rubbed his face, his, his brothers and his parents' face in it. I must admit that the story of Joseph next to Jesus is one of my favourite, what God can do with a young, spoiled brat. With a few major adjustments, used him to save the world. Mm. I think I was mentioning earlier the story of Doug Batchelor, kind of a modern version of that, mm. a young, spoiled brat who has done amazing things for God. Amen. Let's pick up the story. Let's read some more of it. Uh, it continues on and says, Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture, the flocks of Shechem. We read this section. Jacob, you know, then sends Joseph to go. Um, it says in verse 14, it says, Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back to me and bring a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around. Sorry, just going to turn the page. Uh, the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I am looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are and where they're pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here. But I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. Okay, so they're a long way from home right now. Mm. They're not anywhere where their father is watching them. Joseph turns up and he is expecting, like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with my brothers. This is going to be amazing. This is my family. I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, spending some some good time with them. They've been gone for a while, and so this will be fun. Mm. Get to go camping with my brothers. Get to go do some droving, you know, all that kind of stuff. You would expect you he would have high expectations mm. of having a very pleasant time, mm. but what he does not realize is. And, and this is where Joseph is not just a spoiled brat. He is incredibly self-unaware. Mm. He is just, he, he truly does not know how to read the room. Because if he had known how to read the room, he would have never gone and blabbed all of this stuff to his brothers in the first place. And secondly, he would have actually been a little bit wary and realized that you know, he'd really offended them and he would have tried to make that right. Yeah. He does none of that. None whatsoever at all. He heads off down there. He's like, yeah, 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 we're a long way from home. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And let's have a good time together. Mm. Uh, yeah, it doesn't go so well. Let's see what happens. So, can you what, what, what verse are we up to? By uh, we're up to verse 18. Okay, so we're, we're chewing through it here this morning. So it says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on. Let's kill him and throw him into the cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without us laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off his beautiful robe he was wearing, and then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Then... Just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain from killing our brother? We have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to the, those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. 
And the brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midian, Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Oh, oh we need to stop here somewhere. And the but... traders took him to Egypt. Okay, so pretty full-on story that you've got taking place right here. And, of course, we're going to get more into this uh, tomorrow as we, you know, delve more into the story of Joseph and the drama that is taking place here. But the first thing that, you know, we need to consider his coat of many colours. Mm. This is something that only royalty could own in those days. And the reason that only royalty could own it was because the ability to get those kinds of dyes was just unbelievably challenging, particularly dyes like, for instance, purple dye was made from a very rare shellfish in the Mediterranean Sea, and so you had to have access to the sea, and then you had to find this very rare shellfish, and then you had to find a huge amount of them so that you could make these different colours. And uh, just nobody wore this kind of stuff. Mm. It was something that would denote a prince. Mm. And by giving it to Joseph, Jacob has plainly stated, this child has the birthright. None of you guys have got it. This child is the prince. Terrible, terrible idea. We need to learn more about good parenting. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And it's time for question of the day, another clue for our quiz, and a bunch mm-hmm. of text messages. Okay, guys, the final clue for our quiz. Paul thinks I am more important than any other gift the church may have. What am I? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you call and text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw and get the chance to win a Andrew's Study Bible, our $100 Bible that is leather and awesome and amazing. So 0491-064-669. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. Except we have a bunch of text messages and they're really good ones and I want to read them. Oh, okay. Go for it. And then we'll, we'll do we'll hit the button. And then we'll do and we'll hit the button again. Okay. So this one comes through from Karen and I think it's what I'm going to, I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it, um, text message of the day. It says this grandparents spoiling grandkids is really disrespectful to their own kids and makes their parenting journey harder than it needs to be. And this is so true. Mm. Okay, so here's what you need to do. Yes, there is a time and a place for grandparents to spoil their grandchildren with the permission of their children, who are the actual parents of that child. You are not the actual parents of that child. And sometimes I've seen grandparents who have been like, oh, our kids are trying to do, 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 do. well, when they come to visit me, there's no way that's ever going to happen mm. because they think that their children are being unreasonable. No, their children have a God-given responsibility to raise those children to the best of their knowledge and the best of their conscience. Mm. Okay, so when it comes to spoiling grandchildren, ask permission first. Then there's another text message they really should know better and set a better example for their kids when they're grandparents. So some mm. some strong thoughts here that I think are really, really good ones. And we have another text message that says, um, Hello, I have to agree with being an older parent. I run out of steam quick. Uh, but on a personal note, my son has a big heart. We went into Sydney yesterday. He saw some homeless people and wanted to use his own money and buy some water Aww. and a dog some food. He's an only child and I'm a single parent. Before we went home, a lady gave my son a large sample of a bath bomb. Mm. She had no idea what he had done. Praise God for mm. the blessings. That one's from Sky. 
So some really, I just can't not read those text messages. Amazing. Well, right now it is time for... Question of the day. <laughs> All right, Lyle, our question of the day today is, is God invisible and what does this mean? According to Colossians 1.15, that comes in from Karen. Okay, the answer to that question is yes. God is invisible. Mm-hmm. The answer to that question is also no. The clue to this is found in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2, where the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened to that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities, your sins, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Notice what the Bible says, has hid God's face from us? It's our sin. And is that because God is sitting up there in heaven and God is like, ah, these people have sinned. And, of course, by the way, uh, God is not invisible to anyone who has not sinned. If you have not sinned, then you can go see God. That's not going to be a problem. Uh, But the problem is that we have all sinned. Is God sitting up in heaven and he's like, okay, these people have sinned, so I'm never going to let them see my face? No. The Bible says that the Lord your God is a consuming fire. That's in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29. And the simple reality is that God is so holy and we are so unholy that we can't bring our unholiness into the presence of God. Unholiness is consumed by the presence of God. And so God has separated us from himself so that we're not consumed. Mm. Now, we can look at some other passages right here. Of course, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16, where the Bible says, Who only, this is speaking about God, who only has immortality, living in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. And once again, the Bible says here, No one has seen or can see. Why? Because our sins have separated us from God. Now, take sin out of the equation and we will worship God face to face. Mm. The Bible is very clear that the reason that no one has seen God and no one can see God is because of sin. Uh, then you've got other passages here, um, you know, verse Exodus 33, verse 20, where God is talking to Moses. And Moses is like, I would like to see you. And, and he says to Moses, you cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. But, of course, once Moses is taken to heaven, then he is able to see God in heaven because mm. he has been redeemed and sin has been removed from the equation. And so the simple answer to this question is that God is invisible to sinners for their own good. Take sin out of the equation and we will see God and worship him face to face. Of course, as we go through this week, it's been fantastic to listen to everything that you guys have had to share on the on the uh, Bible study this morning and also on the on the uh, news stories that have come through. We love to hear from you guys, so do keep sending your messages through. Send your phone calls through. If you want to have a chat on air, you're welcome to do that uh, because we just love all of you as our listeners and love interacting with you. Of course, as you go through this day, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.